We're talking about family, we're talking about friendships, we're talking about connections, and uh, we're going to look at some verses in Daniel chapter 1 in just a couple minutes. You know, I know this has been a tough week, been a difficult week. We've had flooding, we've had uh, tornadoes, and, and just the devastation, and and uh, in this central Missouri area, no one was was uh, was killed, but but down around Golden City, three people lost their lives, and in other other areas, I was I was looking that ten people had lost their lives in the storms and the tornadoes over the past week, and so we're praying for those folks and praying for those families, and also uh, praying for those that lost homes. A lot of times we look and we say, well, you know, they had. Uh, uh, we're glad they weren't injured or, or glad that uh, they didn't lose their life, but, but people lose everything. And there are, there are folks that, uh, that lived in apartments, that lived in rented homes, and uh, there are those, and you'd be surprised how many people had no insurance coverage whatsoever. And so our heart goes out to them, and uh, we, uh, we, we certainly want to continue to keep those folks in our prayers, and we're, we're, we're happy that... Uh, no one in our, within our own church uh, lost a home or, or, or was hit directly by the tornado. We've got some friends and, that live in Jeff City, and I've even got some family members, and their homes were totally destroyed uh, in, the, in the tornado, and so we're praying for them and, and that God originally blessed them. And once again, we're, we're so happy that they're safe and that they are well. And we continue to pray for each and every one of them. Daniel chapter 1 verse verse 1 says this. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it, which meant he overtook it. And the Lord gave him a victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. He permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia he placed them in the treasure house of his God. And then the king ordered Haspenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to, his, to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble, noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. He said, and make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, that they're gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and they're suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah, and the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was Shadrach, Mishael was uh, called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego, all right, Abednego. So we're talking about uh, creating a culture of connection. We're talking about friends and family, and we're talking about people that we need. We need one another, okay? Uh, we're, we're not just no, no man or woman is an island, but we need one another, and, and we need the connection of other people. We need other people to come together and that we help one another and we lift one another and that we bless one another. You know, uh, not long after Debbie and I first got married, 
a good friend of mine, in fact, it was my cousin. His name was Monty Rourke. The Sensibles know Monty Rourke. There are a few of you guys that know Monty Rourke. He was pastoring a church down around a little town uh, called Iberia, Missouri. He was pastoring that church down there. And uh, Zeph, no doubt some of your family was going to that church, okay? And uh, he, he was down there pastoring. We had never, we just, Debbie and I first got married, he had just been pastoring that church. He just took the church over and became the pastor there. Uh, he was a basically a high school student, became the pastor down there. And so we went down there and took a drive. We didn't know where he lived. We didn't know any, we didn't know where the church was. We didn't know anything. I think we knew where the church was. We didn't know where he was living. We just got in our car and we headed off and we went down there looking for his house. We thought we knew the town that he lived in. So we went, went down there looking around. We're driving around. We had not been in that area before. We had not been in that city, that little town before. And so we went out and we're, we're looking. And uh, finally, after driving around for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour, we finally said, I said, I don't know where we're going, okay? So there's a little gravel road and we pulled off the road and uh, then we kind of, you know, back the car around, and of all things, I backed the car right into a ditch, and it's just like, what are we going to do now, okay, now this is a long time ago, there's no cell phones, okay, we weren't AAA members, okay, there was no way to call, anyone. We, we, I didn't see a house anywhere around, what are we going to do, and it was just like, I, I can't describe to you what happened, well, I'll describe it like this, I don't know where the guy came from, but it was like he was on a mission. There was a guy in a tractor that come up the road. Right, Debbie? I told this story to, to Jim and Julie the other day, and they thought I was lying to him. Am I telling you, Jim? This guy comes out of nowhere, okay? He comes up the gravel road. It's like he's on a mission. Comes straight up to my car. I think he said, do you need some help? Yeah, we need some help here. He gets off his tractor. He gets a chain. Hooks up, up to my car. He pulls us out. He gets back on his tractor, and he drives off. And Debbie, or I, Debbie and I are looking at each other, Ernest, like, what just happened? Was this a dream? Did, did we actually experience this in our life? But I'll tell you this, that, that that really did happen, and Debbie can testify to that today, that that really did take place. And the point that I'm making is this, that sometimes we need each other to help pull one another out of the ditch, to, to help pull one another up out of the pit. And sometimes God will send a family member your way to help pull you up out of the ditch. Or God, if he has to, he'll send a total stranger your way to hook onto you and to pull you out of the ditch. You know why? You say, why would he do that? Because he's God. All right. If he has to, he'll send an angel your way. And that guy could have been an angel. I don't know. Some folks have entertained angels unaware the scripture says it. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know about those kind of things. But we need one another to help one another, to lift one another, to bless one another. And no matter where we are, no matter who we are, there's a desire not only that we want to, that sometimes we need help, but sometimes that, that, that there is a desire, always there's a desire on the inside of every one of us to belong to something, okay? That we want to connect with other people. 
that we want to be accepted by other people. We want to be loved by other people. And we need the connections and the friendships and the relationships because God created us as social beings. The, the Bible says that when God made Adam and Eve, here's what he did. He would come down during the cool of the day and he would fellowship and he would communicate with Adam and Eve. Why? Because God is social, a social being. He's a social God. And you and I are social beings. And we need that connection as we serve and lift and bless one another. In Daniel chapter 1, we have the story of Daniel and the three Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it was because the people of Israel rejected the commandments of God. We're rejecting a lot of the commandments of God in America and there will be a day of reckoning that has that, that occurs because of that. That's what happened in the nation of Israel. Because they totally disregarded everything God told them to do. They were taken over by an enemy nation. God allowed the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar to not only come and overtake them, but God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to go into the temple and to take the sacred objects and then place them in the temple of a pagan god. You say, that doesn't make any sense. Listen, he's God. He can do anything he wants. And when we break the commandments of God, there will be a day of reckoning that will come. You say, I don't like that. It doesn't matter. He's God. He writes the rule. He's God today in the nation of Israel because they disregarded the commandments of God. God sent a curse on the Israelites. God sent an enemy nation to overtake them and to overthrow their government. And Nebuchadnezzar came from Babylon. He took the nation. And for these young men were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, most of us enjoy exciting adventures. Who likes an exciting adventure? But, but most of us enjoy exciting adventures. This was not an exciting adventure for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was not like taking spring break in Babylon. This was not like going on your senior trip to Florida. This was not like going to Europe for the summer. This relocation turned their lives completely upside down. It cost them. It literally seemed to be costing them their future. Sometimes things happen, happen to us in our life, and we say, God, what is going on? God, what is happening in my life? Right now, everything is being turned upside down. Do I even have a future? I just want to be happy. Listen, God, today, if you will, if you will turn your life fully over to God, if you will trust in God, if you will walk with God, God will show you and bring a glorious future to pass in your life. But we have got to be willing to let God take the rule and the reins in our life. And even though this was not an adventure of their choosing, that they willingly went. They were taken from their families. They were separated from their parents. They were separated from their grandparents. They were separated from their siblings. They were separated from their friends. They were separated from everything that they had known. This was not of their own choosing, but they trusted God in spite of it all. You see, their dreams seemed to be taken away from them. And I've noticed this now. Right now, this is graduation season. There are those uh, others that, that have graduated and uh, finished high school, finished college. Many times young people have got dreams for the future. No doubt these young men had dreams for the future. 
There might have been one or two of these young men that had a fiancé in Israel. There might have been those of these that dreamed of getting married, building a home, starting a family, having children. There might have been one of these men or all these men, they look forward to receiving their family inheritance. There might be one of them that looked forward to starting a business. There might, be, might have been one of them that, that had bought a piece of land and was looking forward to farming that land. I don't know, but all of their plans were shattered because each was forced to live in a foreign country, in a foreign land, far from home. And it seemed like all hope was lost and they had been robbed of their future. My friend, many times we find ourselves in a position that is not of our choosing. But I know this, the Bible says this, that the steps of righteous men and women are ordered by God. And we find ourselves many times in an uncomfortable place, but I want you to be assured of this fact, that God is with you, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. That no matter what happens, that God has got a plan for you, and God has got a plan for your life. And we've got to trust in God. Got to say, God, I know that you're with me. I, God, I know that you're going to help me. I know that you're going to give me strength. I know, dear God, that you are going to sustain me. I know, dear God, that you promised not to put on any more on me than I can bear. That as my day, so shall my strength be. God, I know that you are with me because you've declared it in, in your word. And not only that, now that's the most important thing that God is with us, but God also puts other people into our lives to share our burdens. We're stronger together. And here's what I get out of the story. God put, now God was with him, but God also put Daniel with Shadrach, and he put him with Meshach, and he put him with Abednego. He put these four young men together because they were stronger together. They were able to help one another, to lift one another, to support one another. They were able to share hope and to encourage with one another. You see, when we come together, when one of us feels like quitting, the other one lifts, lifts us up. When one says, I don't think we can go any further, then the other one says, yes, we can. Because God is with us and God has been with us in the past. Because we're stronger together. We're better together. And we need God and we need one another. Someone says, well, I can just do this God thing all by myself. I don't need God. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be with other believers. But the Bible tells me this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that we need to come together and assemble as a body of believers. Why? Because we strengthen one another. We come together in corporate worship. And, and there's, a, there's a dynamic when we come together in corporate worship. And then we come together in corporate fellowship. We need one another. The devil will try his best to isolate you. How many of you guys ever watched the show Animal Kingdom a long time ago? There's, a, there's some of you guys that's over 40, and you go, yeah, I saw Animal Kingdom one time. But many times they'd shoot this footage of an animal, okay? And then zebras drinking water there, you know, in the, in the uh, African savanna, and the, the, the little zebra is drinking the water, and then... The zebra's all by itself. The zebra seems to be, you know, safe and secure. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, a lion jumps on the zebra and kills it. At one time, you could show that kind of stuff on TV, you know, ripping the thing apart and everything like that. What happened was the zebra left the herd. 
The zebra got isolated. The zebra was all by itself. And because of that, that's what the devil tries to do. The devil will try to isolate us. He'll try to isolate us by getting us to fight with one another and have disagreements and have arguments and have little petty things. And, and, and the devil will get you mad and you say, well, listen, the pastor said this or the pastor did that or so-and-so did this or I don't like the, what the teacher said. And so we get mad and we, and we quit and we stay home. And in the process, we become isolated. And in the process, we become vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And we're sitting around, we're feeling sorry for ourselves. And what happens? Then all of a sudden, the devil pounces on us. And he puts all kinds of ridiculous thoughts in our mind. The reason is, it's to destroy you, to isolate you. Because we need God. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. But we also need the fellowship and, and the, the communion with one another where we come together and we lift one another up. God, help us to, so we can support one another. God puts us together so we can come together. We can agree together. We can work together. We can bring the, tra- the dreams and the plans of God together. God puts us together to work together as a church and as a body of believers to lift up one another. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 says this. Jesus told them, he said, I, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. God puts us together so that we can pray together. God puts us together so that we can come together in faith believing and we can stand strong in faith believing. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a horrible situation. But God knew exactly what he was doing. He put them together to pray together. He put them together to lift one another up. He put them together to agree with one another. And when one of them felt like quitting, the other one was there, or the other three maybe, or the other two. They were there to lift up their their comrades and to help them to continue to go on. You see, whenever two or three begin to come together and they get an agreement and two or three begin to pray, then the impossible becomes possible. When two or three believers get together and they begin to pray in faith and they pray in the will of God, God promised that the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit is going to aid us. And we come together because Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers... I am there among them. Praise God. God is with us today. God is with us. God is going to help us. God is going to lead us. God is going to direct us. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in Babylon. But God knew exactly what he was doing. He put them together in a foreign land. And right now, you might be in a very challenging place. But God puts us together as believers to walk in agreement and to work in agreement. And sometimes I've got plans. Things usually don't work out like I plan. Someone talked about planning a church, building a church. I thought it was going to happen one way. God was going to do this. God was going to do that. But, but often I find that my plans are not God's plans. And I begin to pray and God begins to turn the situation around. And there are many times that that God changes our plans. You say, why would he do that? God changes our plans so something greater can happen. God changes our plans so something greater can be accomplished. 
Because you see, I've just got my little will and I've got my little plan, but God sees everything. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach uh, in, in, a, in, I don't know, in the coming months, I'm going to teach a series on, on how to pray. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. You know how he taught them? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I'm going to, te- I'm going to teach on every word in the Lord's Prayer. God's laid it on my heart. I want you to notice this. Here's what he said. He said, when you pray, remember this, our Father who art in heaven. Remember this, that God is in heaven. And God sees things that you and I can never see. God sees circumstances and situations that you and I can never see. He knows. He sees today. And God is with us. And sometimes God changes our plans so something greater can happen. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had their own plans, but God changed the course of their lives to accomplish his will. God's will always trumps my will. That's the problem today. We've got too many people living by their own will. We've got to get in agreement to do God's will. We got to get in agreement to do what God is blessing. Sometimes as a church, we get together and decide that we're going to do this or we're going to do that, and God's not even blessing that. God doesn't even want that. God hasn't even designed that. Sometimes in our own personal life, and I talked to you about this a little bit last week, that we want a relationship so bad we put God on a shelf and we say, God, after I got my relationship, then I'll bring you back down and I'll try to put you back in the middle of it. We do that in the church just the same. We get a plan, we get an idea, and then we try to bring God into it. And God was never in it in the first place. God has a will. God has a plan today. Today in America, you can be living in bondage, and if you look hard enough, you'll find a church that will make you comfortable in your bondage. That's tight, but it's right, my friend. (laughs) We can agree together. When we agree together, let's agree on the Word of God. When we come together and agree, let's agree on the purpose of God today. You see, they risk everything to confirm their faith in God. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not intimidated by the devil. They were not intimidated by Babylon. They were not intimidated by their surroundings. They didn't say, oh, we're a long way from home. Nobody knows who we are. We can do anything we want. We can go anywhere we want. We can live anywhere we want. We can partake of anything that we want. No one even knows where that we're even here. But you know what? God knew. And God had his hand on their life. There's a, there's a messed up theology today that's going around the church. You want me to tell you what it is? This, is the, this, this theology is totally a, a lie of the devil. The theology says this, and I hear it from a lot of people. I hear it from people that really shocks me. And they say this. They say, if you're on vacation somewhere and no one knows who you are, you can do anything you want. Can you believe that people, I'm talking about Christian people have told me that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about I've heard this from not, not ministers in the circle that I run with, I've heard this from ministers. Well, we're a long way. No one's going to know it. No one's going to see it. That opens me up from, from having an affair on my wife. That opens me up to any kind of perversion imaginable. 
we got to be careful. That is a slippery slope. It doesn't matter if no one knows you. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were a long way away from home. And if they had that attitude, they would have completely missed what God was trying to do. But instead, they didn't, they didn't slip away from God. They confirmed their faith in God. I'm getting ready to close, okay? I know it's getting, we're getting on, okay? But they confirmed their faith in God. They didn't compromise their faith. They didn't just try to blend in with the locals. They didn't let their standards be set aside. They agreed together and confirmed their faith in God. And here's what happened, verse 8. I'm getting ready to close. Daniel 1.8. But Daniel was determined, you know, in every group there's kind of got to be a leader. And I think Daniel was kind of the leader. He might have been the, kind of the oldest or maybe the wisest. But you got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the scripture says this. It said, you know what, Daniel, we're a long way from home. Maybe we can do this or maybe we can do that or maybe we can blend in. But Daniel was determined not to devile himself by eating the meat and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat those unacceptable foods. So here's what they did. They agreed together. These four men, they agreed together to confirm their faith in God. They agreed together that even though they were a long way from home, they were hundreds and hundreds of miles away from home, they agreed together that they were going to stand strong for God. And they refused to eat the king's food that had been sacrificed to pagan gods. And God brought them through the test. You can go on and you can read the story. I'm not going to preach on that this morning. But God saved their life. God blessed them. God prospered them and their health. And even the king, Nebuchadnezzar, recognized the greatness of God because they stood together in faith. And he even honored God by confirming as they confirmed their faith in God. When we come together in, as a church, first and foremost, we've got to confirm our faith in God. You say, well, Pastor Bob, that's an old-fashioned message. We've we got to stand strong with God. We've got to stand strong and hold on to the Word of God and hold on to the will of God and hold on to the purpose of God. You know, I am so thankful that God puts people into our lives. He puts us there to help us. He puts us there. He puts people in our lives to encourage us. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's a neighbor. But God puts the right people into our lives. I don't know, four or five years ago, three or four years ago, we had some, some folks that came from South Africa, and they came to our church. And there are those of you that remember them, David and Annalene Malutzi and Shoni, uh, Shoni was another young lady. And, and Annalene and Shoni were working on their PhDs. They didn't come to the University of Missouri. They had really completed their studies in South Africa. They came to the university to just observe how study was done in America. And they were here like, I don't know, six months, something like that. And they said, you know what, the first thing we did was we looked, they were Christians from the other side of the world. They said, we went and looked for a church, and God blessed us. And they came to our church. And Annalene even came and played and sang with a worship team for a while. And they came to our church. And they said the reason we did was because we knew as Christians that even though we're 9,000 miles away from home, 
that we are part of the body of Christ. We're part of the family of God. No matter where you go, you're part of the family of God. Praise God. And God brings us together as a church, as a family today. God brings us together. It's not an accident that you're here. And those are others of you. You, you found a place where there's people that come together with a common bond and a common purpose to do the Word of God, to speak the Word of God, to do the will of God, to do the plans and to fulfill the dreams of God. God puts us together. Sometimes we're not in the best situation. Sometimes there's there's stuff happening in our life and we don't like it. Maybe we've gone through a divorce. Maybe we've gone through a breakup. Maybe someone walked out on us. And we're in, a, we're in a dire situation, but God knows exactly what he's doing. God has got, God didn't make your marriage break up, but God takes the pieces, puts it all back together. He helps us. He holds us within his, his arms. He brings us with other, other believers. He brings family members together and friends together or, or even total strangers. God brings them together to help, to bless, to encourage and God has got his hand on you today. And God knows exactly what you've been going through. And God cares for you. And if you'll look around, stop complaining. If you'll look around, you'll find other people that God has put in your life to help you and to bless you and to encourage you. If you'll look up, first of all, God is there. God is there. And then he's put other people there. Strengthen you. God bless you. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. God, for your love. God, that you are ever with us, that you are ever watching over us. And sometimes, God, it seemed like our whole world's been turned upside down. It seemed like all of our dreams and all of our hopes have been shattered, just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All their hopes were shattered, taken away from their family, made to live in a foreign land for the rest of their life. But God, you had a greater will. You had a greater plan that you wanted to accomplish through this relocation. And I pray, God, right now, there's someone in their life, and they feel like their life, their dreams have been shattered. But God, help us to realize that like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that your hand is upon our life, and you're leading us, and you're guiding us. And I pray, God, that first of all, we'll confirm our faith in you that our faith will be strong in you. I pray, dear God, that we will devote ourselves unto you, God, and you'll help us. And God, we'll realize that we'll look around and we'll see others that are here to bless us and to help us. And God, I pray in turn that we'll reach out and bless someone else, that we'll reach out and lift someone else up because there's a, there are those that are around us that are struggling today. But God, you've got a plan. And help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, help us, God. You know what we're facing today. Help us, I pray. Be with us today. Touch us today. God, you care for us. You're not willing to throw us aside, but, God, you love us. And you're there to teach us, God, and to help us along our way and along our path. And we thank you for these things in Christ's name. Now, this morning, before you leave, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to come today. And we'll pray with you. If you not, do not know Christ, we're saved by grace. It's a free gift of God. God will take us exactly where we are. 
come just as you are. But God wants to do a great work in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you need a prayer in your body. Maybe you're here and you need a healing. Maybe you're, you're here and you've been wounded, you've been broken. God is in this place today and He wants to touch you. There's other Christians that are here today that want to lift you up and they'll pray for you today for what you might be going through, for what you might be struggling with. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life. Believe, would you stand with us today as they sing this song? Would you stand with us and just praise the Lord before you leave today? If you need